1: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe, the podcast that is shifting the power in the podcast game. Uh, It's us, Aaron here, Mike, you're here. What's
2: up, buddy? The power has been completely shifted. It's almost like you have the power in your hands, much like the power glove. And oh it, yeah, Power Glove. I, I mean, you feel so bad when you have it on. and Just how I feel so bad with all the power being shifted and expectations being meet, met last night. And we're going to meet them again tonight on episode 98. We're counting down to Big Hundo. Uh,
1: that's true. Nate, I understand that you have just uh, obtained the Power Glove, right? That's the new gaming system you've been talking about?
3: Yep, I got the new Power Glove here. As you can see, I'm wearing my... Uh, power Glove branded headphones to ring in the occasion. Uh, so I'm going to be fully outfitted here shortly in just head to toe Power Glove paraphernalia. Uh, I'm getting Power Boots. I, 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 I lost the thread here. I don't. Yeah, actually, video games.
1: I don't actually know what else was in was involved with the Power Glove. <laughs> I think Didn't just, have one.
3: No, yeah, it was just a little glove. I don't know that I ever saw one in the wild. No, in never. my youth.
1: But you actually have received, as Mike called it before the show, an Xbox Five, right?
3: Yeah, I've got my Xbox Five. Me and Chuck Taylor uh, <laughs> unpacking that sucker here today. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my uh, my part of this episode brisk because right now the box is just sitting here at the far end of the room, taunting me. Um, and I, I hope all the listeners and my co-hosts here appreciate the great personal sacrifice I am taking to record this episode and discuss. The controversial power shift, landscape change, mood alteration that was last night's AEW dynamite.
1: And we could call it a paradigm shift, right?
3: You could call it that.
1: Well, if if you have other ideas for what we could call it, <laughs> or if you want to thank Nate personally for his sacrifices, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. Uh, Tell a friend about the show. And if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribing. Uh, We'll give you some bonus content for it. All right, we're going to do things a little differently on this show. There's been a lot of talk about the Tony Khan tweet, if you're not familiar, I guess there's some people listening to this be like, what the fuck are you all talking about? There's
3: probably people that watch AEW that uh, aren't on Twitter, if you can believe it. No, it's, I can't. It's, it's weird, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, so to those people, if you're listening, do you think anybody listens to our show who isn't on Twitter?
3: Um, all, Only the people that I know in real life that I happen to know <laughs> listen to our show and don't have Twitter accounts.
2: Yeah, that's I, fair. I, I mean, I do not believe that I know of anyone who's not on Twitter that listens to the show that i uh, that i have personal relationships with but just odds are that someone is so what a splendid existence they must lead
1: can't imagine uh tony khan okay do you know who tony khan no i'm kidding <laughs> tony khan put out a tweet and basically said tonight's episode is going to shift the power in the wrestling industry so A lot of people were excited. So let's start there. What did you guys think? We're going to talk about the expectations game. It's a common talking point on this show, uh, spearheaded by Nate, that AEW is bad at managing expectations. So what expectations were set when you read the tweet?
3: So this tweet, I kind of took in concert with the advertisement that was running prior to full gear about there being big, shocking appearance at the full gear pay-per-view uh which did not happen did not occur i kind of took this tweet to be like okay we're now going to deliver on whatever it was we were going to do at full gear and have some actual genuine surprise on the show and yeah you know when you say the the power in wrestling will shift i i think most people would read that to mean not that there will be some change within the story of your show, but there will be some change that extends beyond just the AEW text itself, that it will that extend somehow to the larger wrestling industry.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, Lex Luger showing up at Nitro or, I mean, I guess a bigger one. It's like Bret Hart showing up in WCW, right? Like, Or, I'm going to keep going with these, or Hulk Hogan showing up in WCW. These are real power shifts in wrestling.
2: Or Kenny Omega leaving New Japan, or Chris Jericho showing up at New Japan. That's true.
1: So there's a lot of these kind of things, but they pretty much all go hand in hand with, uh, I mean, obviously they weren't going to use their show to tell us that they had signed some big new TV deal, right? Or some sort of licensing deal that was going to change the power. Uh, So I think we were all fair to assume that somebody was going to show up you think so mike
2: i mean maybe it's that i am the best person at the expectations game i figured it was going to be someone maybe debuting or a big turn and you know hmm. the, the two things that ended up happening were the debut of jade cargill or as aaron has known her for last month who's the pretty lady in the front row the statue okay. person that's, in the front that's... row
1: the statuesque woman the statuesque is what,
2: woman yes that i, I think I,
1: was coined by either listener chelsea or table not really sure which one that, But one yeah, of them did.
2: yeah 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 so we had that in segment two so at an interesting time for that to happen and of course she came out and seems to be the mouthpiece for shaquille o'neal who might be doing <laughs> stuff in aew which is a funny but, sentence yeah, yeah. Uh, I did do a little bit of research here just to like prove a point that Shaquille O'Neal is someone with interest Uh I did the mom test. Mama Spears knows who Shaquille O'Neal is. She also knows who Darby Allen is. Cause she's all commercial and she knows him as the skateboard guy. But so we had that, so I guess that counts as a debut, but that's not a power shifting thing. And then and the after the main event, Pac made his return and is immediately going after Eddie Kingston. Maybe that's like an internal power shift and like pack and the lucha brothers were death triangle before covid and eddie kind of superseded that but that's not like how that tweet was so my expectations kind of were met but then again you had like the one person showing up that i was going to freak out at returning anyways so i'm like the wrong person that asked this like why'd you ask me this you knew what my response was going to be was packs back I'm, I'm my expectations are perfectly met.
3: okay so like aaron said this has been a recurring theme for the promotion, for Tony Khan in particular, uh, he loves to hype up his promotion. He loves to say things like, "Oh, that was the best pay per view. I think we did the best pay per view. I think this is going to be the best pay per view ever. Uh, I think our pay per views, you know, kick WrestleMania's ass." Uh, loves to leak things to Dave like, "Oh, John Moxley versus Jake Hager was five star match. It was awesome." Um, I I'm sort of inclined to. Uh, If I'm just doing headcanon about how I imagine Tony Khan, I kind of think he just gets like he's, uh, excuse me, rich. So he hasn't been beaten down by life and is not fully cynical. So I think he's just genuinely really excited about his wrestling promotion that he gets to run. So I think he says these things uh, and probably believes them on most levels. Um, But yeah, when you make these big promises, especially when you do these big promises about shocking surprises, And things of that ilk, you really have to deliver on them because people's imaginations run wild. And in this case, I think we all knew that PAC was returning. Uh, I think we said it on this show, uh, you know, uh, even prior to them advertising the uh, vignette with PAC. Or, you know, they said PAC was going to be addressing AEW. Uh, But a lot of people thought that meant PAC was returning at that previous Dynamite. so. Uh, you know, obviously Mike is very excited because he loves pack. Obviously I'm excited because pack is great and tremendous addition to the roster. Uh, and it's great to have him back, but there's just a, I think distinct difference between a shocking surprise and a return to your television show of a contracted talent who was on the TV show two weeks ago. Uh, and everyone knew was coming back. <laughs> uh, and also he didn't do anything. <laughs> A power shift, like if he had done, a, if he had shown up and uh, uh, done an impromptu challenge for John Moxley's world title and won the world title, that would have been the power shifting. Him showing up and being held away from Eddie Kingston affects no landscapes anywhere. Like they're exactly where they were. It's just now Pack is here, and he did nothing. So, yeah, that's kind of my my overall impression of the Pack return itself.
1: Okay, so, but we have to talk about the other one, which is uh, Jade Cargill debuts, as Mike said, uh, and suggests at least that she intends to bring in Shaq to face Cody in some way.
3: So, I I don't really know that this qualifies as the other one because Tony Khan told PW Insider that Shaq was not the landscape change power shift. Right. So, that was just separate. Uh, Shaq is... Again, Shaq was just on BTE, so it's also not like a surprise. Um, I don't know if we want to get into the whole segment, but Shaq is very famous. Uh, I think most people have positive associations with Shaq. Do I think Shaq is going to motivate 100,000 people to want to watch him wrestle? I'm kind of skeptical. I kind of think...
0: I boom think period don't
3: pair. with Shaq. Like Shaq is on the TNT uh, you know, post game shows, countdown shows, like with regularity, like every week during the NBA season. Uh I, I think, you know, it's not like people are fiending to see Shaq out there. Just like it's 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 a good it's a cool celebrity to get, but I, you know, just doesn't it, it's not gonna put them in the league of uh you know the challenge or something it's going <laughs> to it's going to make maybe an infinitesimal difference in their lead over NXT but it doesn't you know change shift any power
1: yeah it's good for them to be able to get i mean if you believe that wrestling companies need to like have these big name celebrities come in then all this really would do is like prove that these people don't have to go to WWE anymore right
3: yeah, and we we kind of just saw them deliver a better celebrity in a guest appearance spot in Mike Tyson. Like, they had Mike Tyson when he had just gone viral. Everyone was dying to see him do something physical. They had him show up on the television, and they advertised him for a pay-per-view and had him there. I don't think... Did it make a meaningful difference? It doesn't feel like it did.
2: Uh, double or Nothing was the highest grossing pay-per-view that they had by rate wise. Yeah. But we're talking
1: about like a handful of thousand different buys one way uh, or the other.
2: 10,000. That's 10%. I mean, that's not for nothing, but that's a significant uptick, but Uh, I
3: I think, but yeah, Mike, I think you're, you're right, but I don't think Shaq delivers that even.
2: No, 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 no. I was just saying like that this, if anything, this goes to your point, Nate, in that the thing about Mike Tyson is that Mike Tyson was on, was the zeitgeist? Mike Tyson is someone who has combat sports and wrestling experience. Shaq has done a Royal Rumble appearance once, or was it like the Saudi one? The one the Blood Royal, uh, the Royal Rumbles.
3: I, I want. It might have been an Andre the Giant
2: Rumble. You're right, Andre the Giant. So they've completely. Uh, I
3: only remember his uh his theme music was of course Panda.
2: <laughs> it and it, it, so it's something that is it. This is something that like. No one goes to the groceries. where people go to the groceries, everyone's focused on other things. But this is something that you do to get yourself on, like, the cover of, like, Us Weekly, People Magazine. Like, this is, like, one of those things. But there's never been anything really other than Floyd Mayweather coming to the WrestleMania Orlando a few years ago. That transit, that converted people from, like, that kind of pop culture figure into that. Or Donald Trump, when they had the hair versus hair match, the same WrestleMania. So... It, 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 it's something that it gets more names, like more moms and more people who aren't following the product. will be like, Oh, that's, that's where Shaq showed up that, uh, that, that all extreme wrestling or whatever. Look, like it, it's one of those <laughs> things. Look, like that's how I s- see this turning out there, but it's not like a power shift thing. It's like, it, it's like the Mike Tyson thing where we saw a little uptick, but it'll be a lot smaller because there's no pay-per-view and there's nothing for that. And it'll, eventually just recede away
3: also this goes hand in hand with pack Shaq wasn't there to do anything he didn't do anything (laughs) he was mentioned he didn't even show up on screen right yeah so you you know big promises being made uh in in two aspects there and not delivered on on this show
1: and i just i want to push back at this idea that like i've seen this in a lot of different places well Promoters promote. That's what they do. That's what he's supposed to do. Okay, yes, he is supposed to promote the show, but if you fail to deliver, at some point, people will stop listening to what you're promoting. You won't be able to promote your show anymore. You have to deliver on this stuff. And I just, it's impossible. It's impossible to argue that the power in the wrestling industry shifted based on this show. In any way whatsoever,
2: and on top of that, Tony Khan as a figure in the within the product has been a very detached figure, without with the exception of the last few weeks where they say Tony Khan's made this match, Tony Khan's made this match. The only time he's been seen on screen on Dynamite was when Matt Jackson threw a sack of hundreds at him, so he had like this air of maybe detached isn't the right word of it, but. It's not like he's in a he is seen. He's the authority figure, but he's not like a constant presence. So most of the things that you see from him are either the post show interviews or his tweets. So this is the communication he's having sent out. And the more you do this, as you're as y'all are saying, the more people are gonna less and less believe you. And as a promoter, you know you lose a certain kind of legitimacy in a way, if that makes sense.
3: For sure, yeah. I mean you know, I, when they didn't deliver anything at full gear and then Tony Khan made the tweet about power shifting, I quote tweeted like, Hmm. Okay. I'll believe it when I see it. Cause I'm already just at the level where they're not good at managing expectations. And it's not Tony alone. Cause I think Cody has done the same thing where Cody came out of the gates in the promotion talking a lot, you know, he, of course you want to get word out there, but talking a lot about things he wants to do down the line, talking things about uh, you know, his various visions and different things they really hope to achieve with the promotion. And a lot of it was like, yeah, that uh, that's great. You're setting some good goals and stuff. But I don't know. I, I would think you would be familiar with wrestling, quote unquote, journalism and like the discourse around it to be able to like rein that in on some level and be like, okay, if we start talking about these things, the uh, low information wrestling viewers are going to take this and just get crazy with it. So yeah. Uh, do we want to, do we want to get into the other, the other quote uh, other than the power shift was our good friend, conscious Gary, Gary Cassidy uh, ha- had tweeted just prior to the show that there would be a landscape change in wrestling, uh, which he confirmed later. And, you know, it was sort of uh, bandied about in the, Early parts of the show, that this was uh, this was something he had heard represented another promotion beginning to work with AEW, and that would be on the show. And this was the huge, significant thing that would be happening on the show. Uh, and you know, say what you will. Uh, Conscious Gary generally reports things that he is directly told to report by people but you know by the good brothers or whatever we'll do an interview with him and be like hey here's the news or like i forget where he works, sports kita it'll be like wwe sends him this as, hey reveal this and it'll be your little exclusive like that's the most reporting that he's doing so it's it's not a person where he's just out there making up scoops for the most part
2: and it's something that i think that one week can more just say like if you're going to willing to be the mouthpiece and just repeat anything that is told to you, you're also look the fool in this. Like, if you're not willing to, like, either source or take things at their at word value, this happens. And it kind of combines with what TK tweeted and it's kind of created like just a big unforced error. The favorite the best kind of errors that all the wrestling does, the unforced error.
1: I will say my man, Conscious Gary, tweeted that uh, he almost tweeted out, like, who they were supposedly going to be working with, so he held back on that, so he did show a little bit of judgment, so, you know, shouts uh, Elite to Conscious Gary for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, basically I spent the whole show watching, waiting for this angle to happen, Uh, and then just... uh, Pretty much didn't happen pack returned which was like okay yeah th- we knew that <laughs> so that was basically my entire experience with this show last night
1: yes waiting for something that didn't come so uh, i i don't
2: know about y'all i was waiting for something that to happen and then i got exactly what i wanted my expectations were achieved pack is back baby let's go
1: the part i'm most disappointed about this particular segment is i had written in the notes who gets the blame and i wanted to do the uh you know lip biscuit my generation voice who gets the blame, but it's just it's past now.
3: <laughs> well, so who do who the I guess the third candidate for who gets the blame for our experience watching this show is ourselves. Do we blame ourselves? Uh I g we might exclude Mike for this because his expectations were met. But do we blame ourselves for getting too uh too invested in what was really some, you know, Twitter hype about the program?
1: Uh I always lean toward blaming myself for Uh, for things that go wrong. I will say, in this particular case, even though I knew that Tony Khan once said the Jake Hager-John Moxley match was a five-star match, even though I knew he said that, I still was like, I don't know. I think he's going to deliver. I think something really cool is going to happen on this show. And so I do have to take some of the blame here.
3: Yeah. I don't think I'm... You know, my my general disposition is uh, the people who hold the most power get the most blame for things. Uh, so yeah, if you have, if you have the executive owner, president, founder, whatever it is, tweeting this out. And also he has the, you know, uh, capacity to produce everything on his television show. And he's the one running the show and he's the one deciding what's happens. And he's the one advertising it and putting together ads that say there's going to be shocking surprises. uh, then my inclination is to blame him. Also, I just think that he he or somebody near him told Conscious Gary about this because I'm pretty sure Conscious Gary also scooped the Moxley versus Omega match being on Dynamite. So I'm pretty sure he you know he just got the information from somewhere there at AEW. So did the did this little uh, AEW X whoever thing fall apart at the last minute? Maybe might have. I mean why didn't anything happen on full gear? Why was there no one at full gear?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they literally advertised that someone presumably from another promotion was going to show up on that show.
3: So I thought full gear was just going to be the pack return. I thought that was going to be okay. You know, Kingston loses and then pack comes out to, to get his revenge on Kingston at the end of the show. And that's kind of your big surprise to carry you forward in that storyline. But they didn't do that. Is that because Pac wasn't ready? Is that because they needed, they wanted something for this dynamite? I don't. I. That's confusing to me. But so yeah. Anyway, so the theory is, the probably the main theory was that Kento would be on the show because he was flying back to Florida, and he has a, you know, program with John Moxley that they're trying to build. John Moxley's defending the title. Uh, you know, a month in advance of Wrestle Kingdom. So there's reason to believe that new Japan wants them to defend the title on Wrestle kingdom. So that would fit. That would compute. You would have Kenta show up, hit Moxley with a little briefcase uh, to build their match. And then, you know, irrespective of Kenta, it's a huge fucking deal. Cause it means that new Japan and AEW are working together. Is it what was did Kenta not ready? Cause he just came into the country and they had to keep him quarantined or sequestered or had travel difficulties or I did the new Japan office changed their mind. Did AEW office change their mind?
2: I think that I'm going to go Occam's razor here. I think that, uh, he got worked and this is something that just who got like,
3: worked. Tony got worked.
2: Gary got worked.
3: Gary got worked.
2: Yeah. And he's shown, as I mentioned, of basically just being a mouthpiece at times. But then again, I'm also someone that I don't necessarily see everything as proof of an of a possible relationship. Though, I think that this is such a complicated potential relationship, and it's be such like it would actually legitimately be a sea change because this would be right. a different.
3: That, that that would be something that actually qualifies as right. a big landscape-altering power shift. That's why. I think that's why people jump to that conclusion yeah. because it would take something on that level.
2: So, so in saying that I, I'm turning off the pack glasses here. Is it on the viewers because they connected the dots there or is it on the promoters or is it on the media outlet for being irresponsible with their messaging? And I think it's almost like all three in a way. Yeah. I just, I, I
1: really wanted to not buy into the Kenta a uh, Uh, new japan thing because it's like well that's always been kind of seen as like a hard needle to thread and then i also didn't want to get excited about it because i as much as i really i don't even watch new japan at this point but if Kenta walked out on dynamite that'd be sick as fuck like that would be very cool so i wanted to go into it but nate you really like kind of pulled me around to this because it's like conscious gary is not doing reporting he is being told things so
2: somebody told him that
3: He's saying things that people want out there. It's right. like, yeah, this and, is a, right.
2: And is is it something that is it irresponsible for the uh, source to be saying something knowing that the person's going to report it or is it the person reporting it? That's the thing. At least yeah. that's my 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 impression of this is because like I hear scoops, I hear things all the time, but I hold back unless I know it's something that's quantifiable and this is what happens if you just don't do that. So yeah, but if but if Tony
1: Khan tells you that something's gonna happen in AW, you can you can bet on it, right? You can take I, that I, to the bank.
3: I mean, well, can you? Yeah, can the, you? I guess is that yeah. That's well, the thing. no,
1: obviously you can't. But it's like, how am I gonna fucking double source this if Tony Khan told it to me? I, right. I mean, it's, I know it's what it's the I would
3: confluence do. Confluence of the two, like yeah. we wouldn't like the it, confluence. It, if, <laughs> if it was just conscious Gary making this tweet, then to be like, okay, conscious Gary, relax, right. but. In conjunction with conjunction with Tony's tweet, <laughs> you're like, "Oh, there is something happening here," because you know th- there's word going around, and it's word from significant sources. It's not fucking Joe Schmo with his 300 followers, whatever. No, no disrespect to anyone with 300 followers.
1: Maybe he should get a conscience,
3: Gary.
2: <laughs> it it's just something. <laughs> No, that boom. No. I mean, no. Zero... Like no, no, no. My, was Mike, glad... Mike
3: giggled, I think. I,
2: I. That was exasperation. That was <laughs> okay. Fuck. But, <laughs> and, and it's something that maybe my reaction is so slighted against the outlet here, and and both that I think that when you put something out there, and especially like Sports Kita, I don't know if you still at that service. That that that's a news with a Z site that got a reputation about someone who was posting stuff on that site without citations and without any sort of, uh, verification. Now it's
3: now inside the ropes.
2: Okay. That's a, that that's a verifiable source, but you have like a thing and you have like a platform and there should be something that, and and it's a problem the whole entire wrestling industry with the journalists, the people who, who try to cover stuff on taking things at face value because you get a scoop and you're like oh I'm so excited about this or you're like oh I get here first and sure if Tony Khan tells you something you're gonna be like yeah no Tony said this this, is, this should be verifiable but if it's going to be something that involves another promotion and, and a wrestler from another promotion and it would be such a sea change you can't just put that out there
3: okay let me hit you with uh, two two Tony tweets since the show says, thank you to everyone who watched AEW Dynamite tonight. It's great to get Pac back in AEW. True. We've made some big announcements and huge matches for next week and weeks to come into December. Tonight opened a new chapter. I promise indelible moments on Dynamite are still coming in 2020. And then he says, today, thank you everyone who watched AEW Dynamite last night. He says, a shift in wrestling's balance of power has begun and the winners will be the wrestling fans. Pac's returned after eight months and I have aces up the sleeve in the weeks ahead. You won't get them all at once, but you'll get them all. It, he also had that statement to PW Insider saying the, the shift in power was uh uh pack returning changed Eddie's, Eddie Kingston's base of power as a character, which is it was just nonsensical. Basically, Tony Tony like reaching for these uh retcons after the fact makes me want to believe i guess that just something changed and they couldn't do what they intended to do that's because i don't know like the justification for it was so bad or is oh yeah well eddie eddie you know a guy that doesn't like eddie showed up and that altered eddie's great base of power which is a shift that just it doesn't wash that doesn't wash with me baby i almost (laughs) i didn't even realize I used that turn of phrase (laughs) Also, AEW should get a women's division.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say this is reminiscent of the women's division, right? If they don't come out at the beginning and be like, the women's division is going to be equal to the men's division in this promotion, uh, then, you know, I wouldn't be bitching about it every other week on this show. But yeah, it's a a promotion-wide problem. Uh, All right. I don't know that we got to the bottom of who gets the blame, but we certainly have blamed some people. So that's at least good. Uh, no Elite or Delete this week, but we will give some listener Elites and Deletes. Uh, our good friend in the Discord, UwuWFI, which is a great uh, <laughs> a great display name, Elite Shaq for opening the forbidden door to Studio J. I think uh, UwuWFI was also the person who suggested Cody versus Kenny the Jet, which I think would be a great matchup. Uh, I would like that. Uh, some listener deletes. Well, it's really it's the same thread, but uh, two different people. Our pal Thoros uh, delete Sean Spears, continuing to get some semblance of a push, and uh, listener swirls gets a little more to the point. Delete Sean Spears from existence.
2: I mean, <laughs> I, I, I I mean, since day one, I've been furious of Sean Spears' existence because if you ever search Spears AEW or Mike Spears AEW you know what you get you get Sean Spears I and mean, he does this shit and I've been I've been on this for a while so our our listeners in the discord are incredibly correct and I'm just I think that AB uh following up I I think that Shaq and Pack are a team you brought this up last night and opening the forbidden door to Studio J I mean we can get Ernie Johnson in on here we can get Pack like cutting promos on Charles Barkley and Charles Barkley kind of laughing we can get Shaq and PAC doing Papa John's commercials. I mean, there's a lot of things now that we are have fully entered the Turner Sports. We have opened the Turner Sports gate. That's
1: right, and you don't have to open the Turner Sports gate to be good, but if you do wanna open up Turner Sports, well, while you're watching Turner Sports, bet on the games, baby! Go to my bookie. use the promo code ELITE, get double your deposit up to $1,000. Uh, and you can bet on all the sports that are going on. NFL, college football, uh, the crazy shit that Mike bets on. Basically anything you want to bet on, you can find it. Don't be like me. Don't bet on AEW and get it wrong. Uh, very, very depressing for uh, an AEW podcast host to go over 2 in AEW full gear bets. I, uh, I thought Nyla would come through. And I also thought, why do the Sammy Guevara-Matt Hardy match? if sammy isn't gonna win i still think that's true but it's not what they did so uh that screwed me but they did have the bets available over at my bookie so it's what you want to do
2: yeah i mean i was one and one on bets right. um, oh yeah i didn't take the darby bet i should have yeah darby was at a spicy one plus 160 and that got me out ahead a little bit there uh there's not as much weird sports this week to be honest there's not a lot of college football there is there is the Masters, and they do have a lot of stuff there. As someone who was cut from my high school golf team, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the fact that you can get plus 400,000 on Jose Maria Olazabal if he wins the Masters. Is he still playing golf? He won the Masters, so he gets in to play the Masters until perpetuity. Same with Sandy Lyle. Wow. Uh, okay. Fred Couples plus 400,000. Vijay Singh Plus 400,000. See, uh,
1: just all the same people that played golf when I uh, used to watch golf.
2: I I mean, I'm right now going through it. Jason Days at plus 6,600. Bubba Watson plus 10,000. I mean, Justin Rose plus 5,000. I mean, if you want to do like some crazy, just crazy bets here, uh, you can get the the current like clubhouse leader on this is Justin Thomas at plus 500. So there's a lot of value at my booking for this uh, there's also f1 this weekend you know they're going that's to be right. in turkey i mean that's kind of a controversial place to have a race and yeah, that's bad you're... but the race should be fun it's a cool course it's a cool course lewis hamilton is minus 250 there uh esports are pretty much done for the year uh college football who knows who's going to actually play on saturday so i can't really give a recommendation there however my adopted sons the uh Coastal Carolina Chanticleers do have a game on there. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: All right. We'll head over to my bookie. You know, the good thing was I doubled my deposit using the promo code elite. So even though I lost those bets, it was my bookie's money, not mine. So go over to my bookie, promo code elite, double your deposit. It's winning season, baby. All right. Ratings. Uh, I think we're seeing that AEW just like does this, this demo every week. They're up slightly. 764,000 up from 717, moved way up in the demo ranking to 17th from 56th, uh, thanks to less news dominating. Uh, But a 0.30 in the demo last four weeks 0.30, 0.32, 0.30, 0.30. So it's basically (laughs) what we have. Uh, NXT very slightly up from 610 to 632, up
2: to 56th in the demo with a 0.16. I mean, I've been saying this now for about a month and a half. The plateau is here. The plateau is here. The only thing is I guess we'll look ahead to uh, December 2nd with Kenny Omega getting his title shot against John Moxley on, t- on free TV. We'll see if that does something because, in theory, that should be a-, a spike in viewership there. But we're back to the plateau. There's a new Real Housewives show that supplanted them as number two non-news program. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Aaron. I mean, that does seem like when you're getting to Salt Lake City for a Real Housewives show, you're getting down to kind of just whatever you could find here. And it's not just AEW getting back to usual. It's NXT because NXT placed at 56th the third time in the last six weeks that NXT has been at 56th position. They did not score in the top 50 yet again. So it just seems like that we're back to what we've been seeing all fall.
1: All right, well, let's get into this episode of Dynamite. I just want to tell you, the very start of the show would have been my elite pick, as Jim Ross wished a happy Veterans Day to all people who have defended, quote, their respective countries. (laughs) 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 So happy Veterans Day to basically this uh... was. Dedicated to the uh, brave Mujahideen fighters. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I thought when I saw that.
3: He <laughs> didn't want Jim Ross to wear a poppy or something.
1: <laughs> that would have been good. Uh, Team Taz comes out. Taz says Brian Cage is going to wrestle live right now, but he's slightly distracted because he sees the new face of the network, Darby Allen, sitting in what I'm calling sting position. Uh, he says, keep your narrow ass in that chair, uh, because if you don't, you're getting your head put out again. And while you're sitting there, get on your phone, let Cody know if he crosses paths with Team Taz tonight. He's getting his ass kicked again. Uh, He says Brian Cage is about to wrestle Matt Seidel. And then he kind of tries to compare Seidel and Darby and basically comes down to they have both had big wins. Darby beat Cody. Seidel has beaten Chris Jericho. So he's trying. In the hobby,
0: it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the voice of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: to put over Seidel before Brian Cage beats him. And uh, Brian Cage does ultimately beat Matt Seidel with the drill claw.
3: I was very thankful that they gave us a reverse shot from Taz on the ramp so we could actually see where Darby is sitting in the stadium relative to the ring and relative to everyone else. Because they've just been doing these long shots of Darby up there. And it's just like, yeah, okay, he's in the seats. What is that? I, I He's in the highest seats. But we actually finally saw like where those seats are relative to the ring. Uh, and that's most of what I took from this segment. I is is it good they shouted out that Matt Seidel has beaten Chris Jericho? Is is, is that really Matt Seidel's best ever quality win? Or could you be like, did Matt Seidel never beat um oh geez, I don't even know who WWE's pushed people are. <laughs> um did Matt Seidel never beat Randy Orton? Like
2: I don't think so. No. It's wild. I mean Unless you want to say Matt Seidel has beat ginky Gucci. I mean,
3: I mean. It's like, yeah, okay, we know. Everybody, everybody beats MJF, beat him. Orange Gasperty beat him. Matt Seidel beat him. Yeah, We know. Chris Jericho loses all the time.
2: It's it, it's something that I feel like that it's like an interesting thing of how they built up Seidel saying he's basically just been on YouTube for the last month and a half. You know, like having to do this versus saying, hey, I've been watching you on Dark, calling you on Dark each week. Seeing how you have changed up your game, how can you, how is your new game going to do now against the machine, the FTW world champion, Brian Cage? Like that seems like that would have been more effective than calling back to late 2000s WWE.
3: I kind of like, I mean, I like saying, you know, he's a guy who can, you know, really beat top people. I like that in theory. I just like, like, Jericho's the one guy maybe I wouldn't do it for just because you've just beat him and you just want that MJF win to mean something.
1: Yeah, they're being like very careful you about who gets wins. Oh, well, I say very careful when they let Scorpio Sky pin him, but you know what I mean. Uh, so yeah, it is a little weird. After the match, Ricky Starks gets his promo time. Uh, he says he wants everyone to feel what they did at Full Gear. Now they're in the rankings, so they bitched about being in the rank, not being in the rankings last week. They're in the rankings this week. Uh, now what he wants is the TNT Championship, uh, and he says that their presence is going to be felt on this show. Because the revolution will be televised. It's like, come on! I, I don't know who fed Ricky this like little catchphrase, but it's like his promos are very good. He doesn't need a goofy
2: little phrase like this. I, I would have liked it if he just ended it with him saying, shouting out, "Hit it!" and they play his theme. I feel like that that yeah. would have been a cooler thing. I'm like, because we already, he already is like one of the coolest people, like objectively in this promotion. He doesn't need to have a catchphrase. He can say his thing and just say "Hit it" and his music plays. and He just walks off and plays the. Eric guitar to his theme and I've been perfect.
1: Matt Seidel did beat Brian cage in impact. <laughs> so they could have just said that, I guess.
3: So now does, does this count? Uh, Matt Seidel, Matt Seidel, Jack Swagger and Mark Henry defeat Randy Orton in a three on one handicap match. That's a win.
2: <laughs> that is a win. <laughs> that should count. What a team right there. Like, um, I'm just guessing it. it's like 2008 WWE. Ooh, let's see,
3: 2009, very close. Oh man, Matt Saddell defeats
1: Will Ospreay.
3: Yeah, it'd be a fun one. That'd be a little spicy.
1: Yeah, so there, there's more fun stuff that could. But I, I like the idea of like, okay, let's put this guy over right before this oh, match. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure that it was just exactly. maybe any,
3: anybody but Jericho.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, After this, Cody comes out to the ring and congratulates Darby. He says he's not going to be seeking a rematch because he wants to avenge another loss, MJF. But just as he says, MJF, Jade Cargill enters the ring, as we've spoken about. And she basically gives a, uh, a whole promo about how she's been watching from the sidelines, studying the competition. She heard Cody say he's the giant killer, which I do not recall that, but I suppose that did happen.
3: Yeah, definitely did. I don't. Oh, it was in that promo that he cut on Darby, I think. Yeah. Okay. Hager and uh, Archer.
2: And Brody. And Brody. Okay.
1: Well, she says, uh, what do you know about giants? There's nothing giant about you. A dick joke, folks. And uh, she says she knows a real giant. And she ultimately tells us he needs to watch his back because the giant she's talking about is a real star. And his name is Shaq. Uh, Brandi Rhodes comes out. She's not very happy. Uh, she says a lot of cusses. Uh, so I, Mike Spears probably muted his TV at this point.
2: I, th- this was when I was having YouTube TV issues, so oh. I know that they were having issues with the censor. I was having issues like seeing as I did rewatch this back, and I was a, li- y- y- you know, I mean, there was a lot of cussing. You know, there they was used a lot up, of cussing. They used up all their cussing at, like in one segment of this, so they had to start censoring stuff.
1: Yeah. So Brandy basically says, "Don't ever talk to." Uh, Cody again, don't even look at him, and tells her to leave. But then Brandy goes to leave, but Jade Cargill smacked her ass. Uh, They kind of started to get into it. Jerry Lynn broke them up. Uh, Using this distraction, Brian Cage comes out and attacks Cody. Ricky's there helping him. Darby's music hits. He comes through the fans, which I would not suggest. Uh, And then Darby and Cody clean house. Darby has a thumbtack jacket, and he's using it as a weapon, which I enjoyed. And then... After everything seems to be over, uh, <laughs> to our good friend part. Will Hobbs comes out.
3: <laughs> yeah, time to unpack here. Okay, Jade Cargill, awesome look, as we've discussed. You know, if she can wrestle it all, could be awesome. Uh, really, again, put her in a really high degree of difficulty debut segment here. Like, yeah, uh, is a former athlete, is not, to my knowledge, like an actor or have a bunch of acting experience, but Had to come out here and carry a television segment that was a lot of talking and, you know, basically a skit. Uh, So, you know, had some good lines, uh, took her time and didn't stumble over anything. So you kind of give her points for there, but also did not, uh, you know, inflict anything with, uh, inflect, inflect anything with like any real feeling or... uh, uh, Cadence. uh, uh, yeah, Caden's was a little goofy. Uh, you know, not, nothing was, like, visceral or really made you, like, latch on to, like, ah, yeah, this is some Eddie Kingston shit right here. So, you know, willing to give her a shot for sure. Then do you, you get the Brandy thing. Anybody want to take the Brandy thing?
1: Brandy rule. Oh, well, I would. I was just going to say about Jade Cargill that, yeah, I agree that it was in like a really tough situation. And because of that, I think she was great in a way that like that being her very first thing and doing as well as she did, which wasn't perfect, but doing as well as she did, I think speaks very highly of her potential to be very good. Yeah.
3: And and also she's there trying to build up a giant who's not there. Yeah. uh, And and he his his. His his insult is that J- Cody talked about killing other giants. Yeah, just... Yeah. I, I know they like to do these debuts by having them go right after Cody, which is cute. I, I like that that <laughs> continues, like Butcher and the Blade and Lance <laughs> Archer. That, Everyone has to that, That's a fun probe, but yeah, it, it was tough.
2: It's something also that for someone like Jay Cargill, it's not just that you are like out there building up a thing with Cody in her first thing it's also you're building up kind of like a nebulous concept in a way because Shaquille O'Neal, everyone knows who Shaquille O'Neal is. What? Like you, you're just out here saying you, you kill giants. Here's my giants going to be Shaq. And it's just like, okay, that is a, in, in like the universe of AEW, that is a wild thing to say. And I think she delivered like that part with like necessary aplomb. And, you know, for the first time out there, um. Uh, it's kind of become a thing over the last day jay cargill is basically trained underneath every single branch of the curtis hughes training tree by the way she started off with WWE 4 ended up uh training primarily with heath slater who is a mr hughes trainee at wba4 of course that's the school that ar fox now heads up and then ended up at the nightmare factory she had a wwe tryout and was not How the
1: fuck do you not sign this woman? I don't care if she can do a front roll.
2: I mean, here's the here's the thing that like I I find incredibly preposterous out of the last uh two months for AEW. So Ben Carter Sean is a Seth Rollins trainee, and now Jay Cargill, Heath Slater trainee. Now Heath's no longer with the company, but when she had her tryout, I believe Heath was still under contract. How broken and how many institutional failures do you have to not like once a quarter get a call with everyone like your with William Regal and everyone who you know in your promotion, which there's like four or five of these like groups that have the wrestling schools and say, hey, guys, so do you have anyone that you think is good? Do you have anyone that you think highly of? Do you have someone that we might want to keep our eye out on? Because now this is twice that this has happened to them. And this time AEW swooped in and signed them, so it's just wild to me.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, it, she seems like everything WWE would would generally want to sign, so pretty surprising. But uh, this was good. Brandy, I thought was great. I mean, she. This is, you know, we they did things where like people have been trying to kill Cody, and she tries to cut like this uh, promo where she's really pissed off about it. But this felt like her most angry like passionate promo that she's cut in the company. Certainly the most passionate one she's cut, you know, out live on the set rather than in a backstage.
3: Yeah. I, I I think I liked it. She committed to it, so that's kind of all I really ask for. If you went for it 100%, you know, maybe your your word choice or your approach to it isn't what you would have written it as, but yeah, if she went for it, I, I I think honestly the the thing that set the segment into firmly good territory for me. Was Jade Cargill patting her on the ass? Like that was like a good character moment. Like, okay. Yeah. You said your piece go on. That was good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do get a little worried. That's like, okay, we have this Brandy Anna J thing that seems to kind of (laughs) been thrown to the wayside Now we have this. It's like, are we ever going to like play out a Brandy story in this company?
3: No, I don't think so. Uh, There's Allie. they, (laughs) They use, they use Cody to debut these heels and then when the heels take out Cody or whatever, then Brandy gets involved with the female representative of the heels. Uh, and then it just kind of peters out over time. Or maybe she <laughs> changes alignment three or four times in the interim.
2: Yes. Uh, John Moxley
3: is backstage with Alex Marvez.
1: Hold, hold
2: on. We didn't talk about how wild the Will Hobbs thing is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Hobbs. The promo was over. They were moving to the back. And you hear smash. And then Will Hobbs. It storms on this the stage throws down his chair and rips off his shirt and shakes everyone's hand this was <laughs> this was just like something that i'm w- was like after like this very like just like wild and i don't say that like and in crazy just like a very like action back thing then you finish it off of will hobbs a uh, willpower slamming off a chair and just like i don't know if it was a time cue thing but it just was a wild thing to happen and it and it gave me like a big hearty laugh i was like all right will you're here for this also too sweet
3: well the the second week in a row where they really made him feel like an afterthought like the segment was essentially over and then he comes running like barely on camera at the end uh and he's yet to have like his big dynamite match they set up that six-man match with him however many weeks ago never happened so now he just occasionally runs in on the show and that's like that's all he does very goofy they need to actually give him a meaningful match.
1: This was this had real uh Papa Shango energy of like missing his uh, his cue in the the WrestleMania 8 match. Not familiar. Okay. Well, trust me. Although I saw some people suggesting like is this foreshadowing that Will Hobbs is actually with Team Taz?
3: That, that would that would work for me. That'd be a, like, oh, okay, they they put some thought into this.
1: Yeah. We'll see. Uh, John Moxley was backstage with Alex Marvez. Marvez reminds him that Kenny Omega is the new number one contender. And Mox says when he came here, the responsibility of being AEW champion didn't really interest him. He just wanted to beat people up. But now he realizes that this championship represents everybody who can't pay their bills or is disenfranchised or gets made fun of for being a pro wrestling fan. So even though he made Eddie Kingston say, I quit, he can't say I quit. Uh, But now he has to face Kenny Omega Beating him once is one thing. Beating him twice takes take someone special. Luckily, John Moxley is someone special. He's the best wrestler in the world right now. He goes back to his thing about how one day somebody's going to shut his lights off. And it might be Kenny Omega, but good luck. And that is when they announced that John Moxley versus Kenny Omega will take place December 2nd on
2: Dynamite.
3: Didn't hear a word of this. Sound was fucked up the whole time. Got mad about it.
2: Sorry, it was fine on cable. Uh, I had some like weird echo too, because this was about the time that YouTube was back up for me. So it, it, I went back and watched this. I went back and watched all the promos I missed, but uh, thought that this was a really cool promo for Moxley. You know, I mean, they, and especially like comparing this with the uh, Kenny Omega promo later. Two different mindsets going in this match. I think that that's a interesting angle to kind of take with it, and it's one that, as much as we lambast their stats and the wins and losses, they've actually worked this correctly. I think.
1: John Moxley the new uh Tom Joad here in AEW, which I appreciate. Uh what do you guys think about giving this match away on TV? Well,
3: the next pay-per-view isn't until the new year, right? Yep, February yeah.
1: something. The I, end of yeah. February.
3: Yeah, I just the they're not going to build it for that long. I don't there's very I don't know if there's any contemporary promotions that could build the match for that long if it's not like the Wrestle Kingdom main event. So, Yeah, I think you have to do it before then. So uh, where else are you going to do it but television, really?
1: It's just interesting because this is the biggest match in the promotion? Should be. I guess unless you could work something like Moxley versus Cody, I guess. Yeah. You could figure out a way to that match. But otherwise, this is like about the biggest matchup you could think of putting together. So I don't know. It's just I'm not sure. We've talked about this a lot. Like giving yeah. away things on TV in a time when TV is your driver of revenue is just interesting.
3: Yeah. It's just that they're going to do it. They're going to give special names to these shows and try and make the TV shows feel special. And, you know, I don't think it's impossible. They, they do have four quarterly pay-per-views. WWE has trained people to expect monthly pay-per-views and monthly builds or failures to build. Um So, you know, if you build it, you know, six weeks. I don't even know if that's the right amount, but theoretically building to big paper, big television shows a month off is a good way to approach that.
2: And it's something that with like the driver and all this and seeing how they have treated pay-per-views in the past and how there was kind of just like this waiting. I'm I'm saying waiting as in a pool, not waiting as in like Nate's waiting for the show to get over with to play with the PS five. I could tell oh, you were but... talking about post wrestling, post wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it's something that they they have an issue with just like killing time and at least if tv is your big driver it makes sense and i feel much more confident they can do a four-week build now than i would for a 12-week build to the next pay-per-view and i think this was there's a lot of reasons why i think this actually is, ends up being a smart idea
1: i'm excited for it so that's one one thing in its favor uh, the bunkhouse match was up next, baby. The Natural Nightmares defeated the Butcher and the Blade. QT pinned the Blade after a Diamond Cutter, and a lot of blood was spilled.
3: Uh, yeah, crazy match, just super weird. Uh, Blade bled all the fucking over the place. Has to be a TNT record for blood on television. Uh, I'm just gonna steal Oatgans' take on this, which is that this match felt like uh, the one match that. Kind of makes you laugh on a CZW show that's otherwise totally intolerable. Uh, and yeah, this felt right out of CZW. You had TV ready there. You had Allie carving up QT Marshall's forehead during the break. Uh, and then yeah, Pepper is bleeding like a stuck pig. Um, <laughs> and also Dust is there with <laughs> QT Marshall. Uh, super <laughs> weird. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I liked it. I kind of think it seemed, it, it, I think the finish was pretty well worked I kind of think this is another one where just the wrong team won though. I just, yeah. Your butcher and the blade has has more juice going forward than the QT and and, and Dustin team.
2: Yeah, and uh, a special uh, a special kudos to the blade also wearing white jeans just to bleed all over the place coming out with his uh, suspenders down, a gator uh, stole Ada's glasses, wearing bright red glasses and a bandana. All time great bunkhouse fit.
1: Yeah, it was. there were a lot of good looks here. I was uh, impressed with everybody, so good job. And it was, I don't know if, I mean, I I liked it, but it's because it was one of the funniest things that they've had on their TV. It was very funny. Uh, Matt Hardy had a video. He said over the last eight months, he and Sammy Guevara have been trying to end each other's careers. He's never been in a feud that caused this much pain and this many injuries. He said he didn't respect Sammy before this, but when Sammy injured him at All Out, it shook him. So we had to delete Sammy. And he says, you may have lost, but it was to a legend. Make the best of it.
3: This guy made me mad, really. (laughs) It's fucking stupid. Is this what he said to Tony Khan to to politic in order to get the win over Sammy Guevara? Oh, he's going to lose to a legend like Matt Hardy. I'm a legend. And he's going to share the ring and have a big feud with me and then lose. He Like, just have Sammy win.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he lost twice in a row to this guy.
3: Lost twice in a row. After, you know, almost killing the guy. Right. Um, he, I don't even know that his whole narrative makes sense. Like when he started the feud, Matt Hardy was like, Hey, I want to mentor you. I think you've got a lot of potential, uh, but you need to get away from that inner circle or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. But then Samuel like rebuffed him. So now it's, oh, I never respected you. Now I respect you. Uh, Cause I killed you for a while. And I, I do kind of appreciate the premise of doing a video to sort of put a cap on the feud, like, "Hey, here's what this feud is about. Here's what it meant for my character. Here's some footage to to accent all the crazy shit Sammy did." Uh, but it's left a sour taste in my mouth when really the end of it is like, "Oh, you got the rub by being in the same ring as me, brother."
2: It just, it just makes you more infuriated with uh, that the fact that this feud continued after like there's not. Other than Gangrel showing up, like this feud has done nothing for me. And Gangrel, sure. Gangrel, sorry, Gangrel, my, my bad. I, I I did not mean to mispronounce that, but uh, yeah, just kind of mind-numbing in a way. Like, why do you think this is a way to get someone over?
1: Well, what, what really irritates me now is why the fuck did they finish that match at the last pay-per-view? after Matt because, Hardy was, yeah.
3: because Matt Hardy was going to retire. It was or he was going to leave AEW forever if he lost it. They, they put another stupid half-assed stip on the match like I'm I'm going to leave forever. Loose leaves town. And then they felt thought that they had to finish the match.
1: I just hate it. I hate it so bad. So yeah, this was bad. Uh, next we had the 2020 Inner Circle induction ceremony. Jericho brought out the original members of the Inner Circle. Sammy wasn't with them. Uh, then he brought MJF and Wardlow. MJF says five years this business. I uh, says his dad gave him uh, a one million dollar loan, which I know Nate liked.
3: Yeah, this uh, I might this might have been my elite pick of the show. Again, with with the caveat that I was mostly annoyed throughout this show because there was no angle happening, and also all the previous seg- seg- segments annoyed me. MJF made me laugh twice. I laughed at the million dollar loan line, uh, and then I laughed at him quoting Drake claiming not to know who Drake was and then quoting Drake again. So this was breezy. They kept it tight. They didn't do 20 minutes of back and forth between him and Jericho. They just hit their points and got in the, got in the character stuff from the other inner circle members. I I was largely positive on it.
1: Ortiz was not impressed with MJF's uh, poetry. That was Drake. Uh, Jericho says MJF's mind and Wardlow's muscle will make inner circle even stronger and MJ says, but we're also here to celebrate Jericho's birthday. Uh, he has some balloons and some confetti. And then he has an announcement. They're going to Vegas, and he's paying for it.
2: Uh, my big delete would be the fact that they did the show in the middle of a tropical storm. And they decided, and they spent all the time in the pre-show, as we like people were doing, like trying to make sure that the ring that's under a cantilevered roof stays dry. What did they decide to do? Drop a bunch of balloons and confetti, and it just goes flying out of the way. The Jacksonville River is like right next to it, and just, uh, and even the announcers were remarking about how dumb that was. Like just killing like ocean life just for no good reason.
1: Ocean, um, I can't remember the word we were talking about before. Oceanography. About... Yeah, oceanographer. Mike Spears, none too happy. I don't, I, I, I don't
2: trust the ocean, but I respect <laughs> it. Sure.
1: Uh, Alex Marvez, a lot of Alex Marvez on this show. Uh, he knocked on the Young Bucks locker room door. a little skeptical, because of course last time they super kicked him. He asked him what's next. Nick says that beating FTR for the titles was the biggest accomplishment of their career. So it's hard to see what's next, but he's sure there'll be a rematch one day. Uh, but Matt says they need a fresh opponent. He says he has he got an IG message from a young tag team called Top Flight. this is my favorite part i looked at their music video for about 30 seconds and decided they were good and (laughs) and announces they're gonna have a match with them next week so on uh, brand for matt jackson
3: the sadie gibbs school of scouting
1: yes um continues
3: i do they this was like hey they they rhymed it out this story in a satisfying way the young bucks were trying to get their edge back um they eventually walked away from the dark side and and decided to be you know better friends to brandon cutler Etc. And then they, uh, you know, finally come back, win the titles, make amends for all their super kicks and shit. It all made sense. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad the young bucks have not lost their ability to book for themselves.
2: And we we get an insane match next week. Like this is kind of just like a nuts thing because how top flight really were one of the few things in the indie landscape that really broke out in this year and. Now they find themselves on uh, Dynamite, and I believe this is going to be a title match tomorrow, on next Wednesday. I believe that that's the case there. But it, it, if not, if it is or is not, it's a it's a match that I did not have any idea would be happening, and I think that it rules. Like, it's a genuine surprise. Maybe that's the power shift.
1: Ooh. Next up, uh, Sean Spears defeated Scorpio Sky. Uh, the loaded glove. He used the loaded glove to win. Tully also threw... They kept saying the, did they say the plug? I mean, over and over again, they said some fucking word. Slug, that just, the slug. Slug, it irritated me. I uh, threw one to Scorpio, uh, but then Scorpio threw it into the Jacksonville night, but then turned around and got hit.
3: Did you understand what happened when Sean Spears was reaching for the rope and Tully appeared to, to give him something, but then Sean Spears still had to go to the corner to get the metal slug? He didn't get it from Tully. Did that make any sense to you?
1: Um, I mean, I probably wasn't paying attention when that happened. Okay. If I had to guess, because that does not ring a bell. I'm sorry to say.
3: All right. Yeah, whatever. Stop trying to make Sean Spears happen. Yeah.
1: Uh, Dasha is with an empty chair. She says she was with Kenny Omega, but he ran off and she can't get him back. Uh. But then we see Alex Marvez running him down. Kenny's on the phone. He says, it was great seeing you. I'll call you back. I assume we're supposed to take something from that.
3: That uh, that was my last glimpse of hope that it might be Kenta or something. Um, right, somebody New Japan related, yeah. Uh,
1: Kenny says he's going to step out of his position of being an afterthought and back into where he's supposed to be. Uh, he's going to take what has been taken from him, the number one position, the man who's the most talked about in all of pro wrestling. He's heard the whispers. Where is the best bout machine? Where's the guy from New Japan? He even said New Japan uh, on this. And he says, I think I've proven I've never really left, but I'm ready to reassume my role it's gonna be the biggest dynamite of all time, uh, and then he says, "When I saw Box's name, I had a little déjà vu, but I couldn't find any record of us having a singles match under regular rules. It's never happened. We're zero and zero. Uh, and Then he says, "At first, I have to catch a flight, so goodbye, good luck, all that stuff."
3: Where is he flying? Where is he? It's, they got a television show here. Um, that's what this. The uh, I thought this was like unusually good. This is like, hey, Kenny can cut a normal fucking promo. Even a promo that's like laying a lot of groundwork for like a straight ahead wrestling match and not, you know, not some intense blood feud issue here. Just like, I guess you would call it like a, uh, you know, sports competition-esque promo or something. And he was just like a normal person. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy can do all these things. He just doesn't always do them. He, he He would rather do sillier things a lot of the time.
2: And it's something that, like I mentioned earlier, focusing in on the fact that that first match was lights out, non-sanctioned, and being like, "No, I've beat you," and Kenny's like, "No, you didn't. You, I, beat you. we had a match that was not under your rules, and it does not count." I think that's a kind of a one way that they've actually used their win-loss record and like the way that they really attuned themselves to that kind of stuff in a very realistic manner, and it provides a nice edge to this match that you know I think a lot of people might just having the back of their mind, like, oh, yeah, no, that match did not count. So it's it, it's cool. I thought that Kenny did a great job here. Speaking of wins and losses, what about Matt Seidel defeated Adam Cole? Mmm. That
3: would have been spicy. Nice. You don't want to compare your guy to the minor leaguers. I know. Uh, Ty
1: Conti defeated Red Velvet with a gory special into a knee strike. After the match, uh, Ty and Anna didn't really seem too happy with each other, I guess, Anna was trying to give her some tips throughout the match, and she wasn't really taking them. Uh, there were some Dark Order members back in the like, entrance way who like peered out, but then they turned around and left.
3: I think the story was Anna was trying to make her do more heelish things to get the advantage, and Ty didn't want to do them because she's you know uh, split between the two worlds here. This exceeded my expectations for two people who have not had a ton of televised ring time. Um, I thought Ty in particular, a lot of this might've been during an ad break, but she whipped out some like pretty ambitious offense and it all looked pretty decent. Uh, so yeah, this, this exceeded my expectations.
2: Yeah. And the big thing was, um, Anna tried to slide a chair into the ring and Ty kicked it out and was able to win like this. I thought that this was great. I thought that for like these two women and given their experience levels, And how they've grown I thought this was a really solid, strong match. Marvest is with the
1: Inner Circle. Uh, They're still talking about going to Vegas. Sammy Guevara shows up. He says, MJF sent him an email that told him to go to the beach. MJF says, actually, he sent a second email after that one about being at Dynamite. Uh, But Sammy says he only got the one email. Jericho's able to calm everything down. And then MJF gives Sammy a ticket to Vegas. But he's still mad about the
2: email.
3: I spent this segment trying to scan the QR code that was on the airplane <laughs> ticket that they were holding up, and I couldn't manage to do it.
2: I scanned one QR code in history of AEW Dynamite. It took me to a Burger King menu, and I refused to touch one ever since.
1: Eddie Kingston comes out. The crowd is chanting his <laughs> name. He says, I know my name. I don't need you chanting it. Uh, he, he, of course, admits that a full gear mox made him say, I quit. Uh, it's something he has to live with. But unlike you people... I will never stop and I will be world champion. But to pressing matters as the leader of violent men and women, uh, we're going to have two of the greatest luchadors up next. You're welcome. He goes over to commentary. And then we had Penta defeating Fenix uh, after two package pile drivers. Um, after the match, Eddie says, go ahead and chant. This is awesome. Or whatever you marks do. My best friend did it. Then he kind of uh, boots Phoenix out of the ring, tells Penta that he doesn't need Phoenix to be great, but Pac comes out uh, amid all this and says, did you think I'd be gone forever? Well, bad news, scumbag. The bastard's back and you've made a very big mistake. Uh, He tries to get to Eddie, but the referees ultimately keep them separated.
3: See, I try to tell this story in this match of now the Lucha Brothers are like really mad at each other uh, and ripping each other's masks and shit. Uh, Mask mask ripping is a little awkward when you're not getting blood underneath it, but uh, Eddie did a good job, I think, of, you know, firmly trying to establish that he was for Pentagon in this match and against Phoenix. Uh, and then of course Lee accented that in an amusing way when he kicked Phoenix out of the ring after the match. But they they kind like, of accelerated to that point pretty quickly, right? Like these guys were all just in the family, like a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was. And now they all decided that they don't like Phoenix. Uh, so I, I guess we're going somewhere with. Eddie and Pentagon against Pack and Phoenix or something. I don't know, uh, but it did. I felt like that came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Tony's like, "You made these brothers hate each other, Eddie. You have to take responsibility for that." And it's like I, I kind of missed that happening. Uh, I, you know, I guess that's an interesting place to take the story. But, uh, you know, this was news to me.
1: Okay, well, uh, if you want more news, go over to patreoncom slash elite. We've broken plenty of news over there, by the way. Uh, And by that, I mean at least two stories ever we've broken on our Patreon. Uh, Certainly worth the price of admission. This week, we had our full gear live instant reaction, uh, which I've been told I had more energy than people expected. So I think that's a positive sign. Uh, We also, of course, do our weekly light show where Mike and I preview Dynamite, review Dark. Nate gives us the BTE quick hits. Uh, Next week, Mike, can I or I'm sorry, Nate, can we talk about what what's going to be on the Patreon next week?
3: we can okay well good, tell us about it oh i have to okay christ Ah, <laughs> uh, great personal sacrifice yeah so uh getting the band back together for talking shop a mania to myself drew spears outgan, recapping the uh highly anticipated second installment of the venerated talking shop mania franchise uh Probably featuring a lot of speculation about Carl Anderson's personal life and marriage. Uh, last one was very silly, we had fun, so check it out.
1: The the first episode of this, or the the first show they reviewed, is one of like probably at least my three favorite things we've ever done on Patreon. So, I highly recommend that people check out that one. It's evergreen content, the first one, and uh, sign up for this one too. It's very good. It is, and then
2: I was gonna say, introduce staying into my life. <laughs> and I feel much yeah. better for it.
1: Uh, and then the week after that, Mike and I are going to have uh, this is John Moxley, so a big deep dive into John Moxley's uh, long and storied career. So you get that. You get our Discord uh, join up. Uh, it's five bucks is our middle tier. It gets you all the audio we do, so and all the audio we've ever done over the past year. So uh, go over to Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite and sign up today. Here's what we know about. Next week's show, uh, the 18th, Cody and Darby versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Uh, Young Bucks will take on top flight. Unclear whether that's a tag team title match. Uh, Pack versus The Blade, Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian, and The Inner Circle slays Las Vegas.
2: I'm not certain if it's a tag team title match because this match was announced before the show and it was supposed to be on the show yesterday. And it was supposed to be a title match then by. So I'm just assuming that. So that's why in the notes, up and down tag team, question mark. But, yeah, we'll see how this inner circle in Las Vegas thing is going right now in today's day and age. That's a a bold move.
3: It's uh, almost as awkward a title as the uh, Body Count Battle, which is the wrestling, independent wrestling show that's coming up. I just, you know, I know know we like doing the death matches and stuff, but uh, there are literally like hundreds of thousands of bodies. So, maybe don't slay a major metropolitan area.
1: Yeah, so perhaps though just like I mean, I don't know how they're going to work this, but just the idea of like, oh, let's have fun and go to Vegas just seems like
3: Uh maybe so they did just shoot we didn't address this at all. The AW video game got announced.
2: Oh right. yeah, um, fuck. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, that's exciting. Check out the video. But they did just shoot a whole promo ad in that for a casino mobile game. So maybe they have a casino nearby where they can go shoot this because they've already done it once.
2: Well, there is gambling in Florida, so I guarantee I know, you there's a Hard Rock Casino somewhere nearby. I mean, oh,
3: the the Hard Rock Casino in uh, Fort Lauderdale, I, I believe the uh, the site of Anna Nicole Smith's death. Yes, I was I was there uh, about ten days later. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my Hard Rock Casino Fort Lauderdale story.
1: All right. I've
2: I've been to that place way too many times. Okay, yeah. I, just, I
1: typed in Casino Jacksonville, Florida, and the first link is the best ten casinos in Jacksonville, Florida. Beautiful. Well, there we go. I mean, not that you should be going to a casino in Florida at this moment. But either. if you're
3: in Florida and you must go to a casino, do that instead of going to Las Vegas and going to a casino there and then coming back to Florida.
1: Yes, I agree. You can go to Pinspiration. Oh no, that's a sponsored result. Never mind. Sorry. But Pinspiration Jacksonville is just a funny
2: name. Uh they have one place that a bunch of places called Best Bet. I've never heard of a Best Bet before.
1: Okay, yeah, but now that I look at this top 10, uh, these are not actually casinos.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, in retrospect, don't go to a casino. Go to mybookie.ag promo That's code. That's
1: right, baby. Good job, Nate. Really appreciated that. Okay, uh, and then, of course, as we talked about December 2, building up to that Moxley versus Omega match. So plenty on the horizon. Um, follow us on Twitter at AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at a pittasis. Mike is at Fuji. Nate is at his damn PS five for the rest of the night is where he's at. Am I right?
3: You got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, subscribe to the podcast. So you're getting these episodes when they come out, give us a five-star rating and a review on the Apple podcast app and go check out patreon.com slash everything elite. It's good. And it only costs uh, middle tier only costs five bucks. So check that out. Uh, that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron.